I'm all about building communities, celebrating unique journeys, and sharing stories about the paths people have taken to enter the tech industry. Join me as we explore the skills my guests have learned in their prior jobs, schooling, or life experiences, and how they apply them to their current roles in tech. My guest today is originally from Germany, who has tried many different careers on for size. She has had roles ranging from recruiting, automotive, and retail, to name a few. And her interest in programming began a few years ago with a desire to create a Jane Austen quote website, because who doesn't want to read daily Jane Austen quotes? Since then, she's been dabbling in JavaScript and Python, and today is a community manager at Vonage. Most companies now do like an education stipend to where you can get classes you're interested in, books you're interested in. And I took full advantage of that this year. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) what is my budget? (laughs) Exactly. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and this is We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. Her name is Caroline Kearns. Caroline, welcome to We Belong Here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So happy to be chatting with you today. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Sure. Okay, let's go back in time. And can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? Yeah, absolutely. So I I immigrated to the United States in, oh gosh, 2007. And so as many immigrants that have been through the same thing, I started in retail just to kind of get a feel for American work culture and all of that. Sure. After a few years, I started moving into more factory work, then moved into automotive industry and finance, which I really enjoyed. After that, I moved into recruiting. So I I wrote resumes for a lot of years. So many. Wait, hold on. Before (laughs) you're going too, too fast. First off, retail, what type of retail were we doing? (laughs) Just really anything I could do at the time. So I've worked for a video game retailer, I've worked for big box stores. I worked for a shoe retailer. Really wow. anything that that stuck out because I just wanted to experience different things. And then, it, of course, it, unfortunately, it. I had some, some negative experience, which forced me to move on. <laughs> yes. And so then wh- each time you made a switch to a different industry, it was mm-hmm. simply out of the uh, like curiosity to try that one next. Is that kind of the motivator there? Yeah, that's that's really how that happened. It, it was a Love mix it. between moving states and wanting to try something new, and then okay. Yeah. <laughs> and what states were you bouncing between? So I moved to Oregon when I first immigrated. Then we moved to North okay. Carolina for four years, and then we made our way back to the West Coast. Okay. And so and North you're in Carolina Oregon was now, the, correct. Yes, uh, sorry. Uh, yes, I'm in Oregon now. Got it. Okay, and so. When you ended up in the automotive or recruiting, did any of them feel like the forever thing for you? And, you know, how did you navigate that sort of feeling? Automotive really did just because I had an interest in what I was doing. I was essentially working through paperwork for people leasing and buying cars. And I really did enjoy that. I was working for BW at the time. Cool. And that was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, the hours weren't great. Mixed with the pay was really, really low. <laughs> so it oh, no. just, while I really enjoyed it, it wasn't something that I wanted to do career-wise because I wasn't okay. really able to grow there. It was very much, a, this is if you do this, this is going to be a job for the next 10, 20 years. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. So then, so then what came next? 
<laughs> Next came a stint in recruiting, and I came into that as an administrative personnel with resume writing. So I wrote, over the time I was there, 12,000 plus resumes. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Which was a lot wow. of fun. I, it's still something I enjoy to this day. It's still something I enjoy helping people out with to this day because oh, I'm, so, I'm so passionate about what a good resume can do for somebody compared to sure. a not so great resume. Do you have like tips that you candidly can share like quick ones or I don't know. I mean, that is just such a wealth of information. I'm sure listeners would, I mean, all of us probably need a rework of our resume unless we're going through the career search in this exact moment. Like it's most likely that listeners will have maybe a dusty resume or one they haven't, I don't know. Do you recommend keeping them up to date at all moments or, oh gosh, just I'm thinking about mine. It's probably pretty <laughs> tried. I'm sure you'd be mortified. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I do suggest people keep it updated at least once a year. Take a okay. glance at it. Make sure you mm-hmm. update. But sometimes we can also, what I found with myself and also other people, that you end up at a new job doing things that finally give you an idea of how to phrase something you did at a previous job. Oh, so sure. going back and adjusting yeah. things can be incredibly helpful as well. That's really, I think that's the biggest tip. Even if you're not actively looking right now, keep it updated. So when that time comes and you want to look or God forbid you have to look, Mm -hmm. you don't have to spend a lot of your your mental capacity on reworking that resume from scratch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting from a blank document is so intimidating. Yes, very much so. Very much so. (laughs) And I even wonder like, is a resume, maybe in tech in particular, The reason I I haven't felt pressure to keep it up to date is that a lot of things just happen via LinkedIn nowadays. Like that's kind of a living document with the history of my work. Um, And so the the resume just seems like, oh, well, just look at the LinkedIn. Maybe that's lazy of me. No, that's that's completely fair. 100% is that fair. I've noticed that, especially with tech, I've noticed that too, where also what comes into play with tech more than other industries is your portfolio. Mm, it's a of lot course. easier. Your GitHub profile is yeah. ultimately your working doc that is like, this is what I do day in, day out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What I did notice, unfortunately, for especially newcomers and also people that may not prioritize networking is that mm-hmm. that resume will still be the first thing that gets you looked at. So sure. if that at least looks good and doesn't immediately get tossed out by by the auto checkers that a lot of companies tend to use, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for resumes, then that's mm-hmm. that can be really tricky to get in. So I like to I, I like to work on resumes and ensure that people have really the best shot at getting through the automated stage and in front of an yeah. actual person. Yeah. No, I'm sure there are a lot of tricks in the world of you know, almost thinking of it from a SEO or search engine optimizing perspective of like, let's get all the buzzwords in that you need and make sure that you, yeah, pass that particular, just like very machine part of the process and get a human to be like, oh yeah, this person looks cool. Let's, let's exactly. have a chat. <laughs> yeah. Very, very so one thing I do want to caution against, because I see this advertised and, and shown over and over on Twitter and mm. I really don't like it, is where people yeah. say, just copy and paste the job description in white font on the bottom of the paper. That will <gasps> not make you any friends. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That seems... Okay. That reminds me of when I was an English teacher and students discovered the trick of 
maximizing the period size, (laughs) changing it to size font 30. And that would make their one page paper turn into a two page paper suddenly. You're not (laughs) tricking anyone y'all like good on you for your creativity or and that it's just copy and pasting what other people are doing usually. But, oh, gosh, that's scamming the system. I don't like yes, that. I don't either. <laughs> and I see that so much on Twitter. Unfortunately, I've seen it a lot of times on tech Twitter as well. It's like, please mm. don't do this. Okay. And I, I know a lot of the time something that I've worked against for the last few years or tried mm-hmm. to change the perception is that recruiters are really vilified. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Hey, Please don't do this to us. There's some good ones. I agree. There's some horrible ones. I really, really do. But having, and I I am biased here, of course, because I've been in this industry. But I, some of us really do want the best for for our candidates. Absolutely. I have, I think when you interact with a great recruiter, someone who cares about you as a human, you feel it. You know, you know that you're, this is a different experience and it is too bad that that is a trope. And it is because there are some, you know, as you said, tough ones that are caring about the bottom line and the numbers and just trying to get folks in the door and through the process, et cetera. But of course there are going to be some outliers and good ones out there. So I, yeah, I appreciate you saying that for sure. So then what came after recruiting? After recruiting came college for me. So I was a late entry into college. I received my GED back in, I want to say 2009, roughly. I, it was something that was never on my mind. I didn't graduate mm-hmm. German high school because I I moved during my junior year from Germany. I had finished my senior year of high school here in America, but due to circumstances as being an exchange student, I only received an honorary degree and found out when I, once I was 19, that it didn't actually count as a, Oh my gosh. Because of like credit stuff like that. Yeah. Because it was, it was an honorary diploma. It's just something that I should have known if I had known what to look for. Unfortunately, right. I was 19. I was young in a different country that wasn't at the top of my priority list. (laughs) Sure. And they hand you a diploma and you're like, cool. See y'all never. Like I just, exactly. (laughs) value. I, Oh my gosh. The process of realizing that must have been so awful. It was, it really, really was. It was unpleasant because I thought I was finally done. Yeah. Um, No, then I I noticed that I started noticing it when I started to apply for non-retail positions over North Mm -hmm. Carolina and just, that just kept holding me back. Yeah. I was like, okay, what, what do I need to do here? And my husband, actually super amazing, really supportive. He found the local community college we had and said, Hey, look, they have a GD course. Just, just go and ask, check what it takes kind of see what's up with that. I went in and I did really well in the pre-test. So I didn't actually have to take the course. I just had to come in for a few weekends to study certain subjects, especially because English at that point, it's still a second language for me, obviously now, Mm -hmm. but at that point I wasn't nearly as in control of it (laughs) as Mm -hmm. I am now. So I had an amazing tutor there that helped me understand what questions meant. (laughs) And kind of, because I still had to translate everything into German at that point to make it make sense to me. So I spent a few weekends that took my GED, got a really good result, really happy and took that away from North Carolina. So that was really exciting. And then after recruiting or, or actually that was kind of coinciding really I decided I wanted to pursue a degree and wasn't really sure what to do. So again, my husband, the MVP here, (laughs) uh, he he suggested (laughs) I I check out a community college again 
to just kind of get a feel for what I want to do. And just like yeah. I did in my professional, in my professional life, even in my academic life, I took a bunch of different classes to kind of oh, see what would stick. I love it. So just I, a bunch yeah. of 101s, like, let me get yes. the intros to everything. Yep. I did and... finance, accounting, <laughs> engineering, which really didn't stick at that point, uh, <laughs> real estate and a bunch of other things. And eventually what kind of stuck was business administration. And then I found okay. a school here that my husband was already attending, a technical school uh, Oregon Institute of Technology, where I ended up going for the operations management degree. And that was a perfect fit for me. Absolutely incredible fit. <laughs> I love that. Good for you. Uh, and so that's when you ended up at the 3D printing company. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So as I was getting into my junior year, really establishing myself, I started to look for my senior projects. Like, hey, what do I want to do? Okay. I came across, so we, my husband and I, we started a 3D printing lab at the school with one of our friends. And then that, we kind of grew that in a small oh, little community where we did 3D you printing. You started mm-hmm. the, pr- the company. Oh my gosh. That's well, so not the company, the, the group at the school. The group at the school, as in kind of like a club yes. that yeah, was yeah, exactly. helping yep. people learn about 3D printing and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and that was really our method of being able to get printers that we wouldn't yep. otherwise be able to afford ourselves. That's a really. good <laughs> system. I I know. Yeah, I love it. I Yeah, smart. Okay, so that so from, became an interest of yours, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Very much okay. so. And, and I joined really more so because I... I am really, really organized. <laughs> so I became their their go-to person for anything organization-wise. I had to sure. attend meetings with the school, things like that, you know, explain what we did and all of that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. Um, and so then once you finished up school, you mm-hmm. were able to make the switch into an operations role or project management, is that correct? Into that 3D systems so at 3D Systems, I joined there to do my senior project with them. And then oh, it kind of saying. worked okay. into, so I went from an engineering intern into kind of a work study and it really just morphed into where I ended up helping with a variety of things such as cool. documentation and really learning about 3D printing in the first place. I met with engineers, I understood their process, their, their agile process and Lean Six Sigma processes that they were starting to implement. And yeah, I started really getting a feel for that. And and while I did enjoy that quite a bit, I did leave to try to find an actual operations management position for me, which at that point, I really, really wanted to work in a factory setting. That was my passion. And still, to a degree, it still is nowadays. I love machining and just kind of learning more about how things are getting made. Cool. I used to, when I was homesick, as a kid, there was a show growing up. It was called How I Built This. And it was just, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah machining and mm-hmm. like how a crayon factory works or yep. something like that. And it was so soothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like, I, I should look for that actually. That seems like nice background stuff to have while working or coding these days. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. So, so were you able to find um, a role li- that kind of fulfilled that that wish? Not, not at all. Wish that is not, not, not <laughs> <laughs> like a genie. A wish. That's the wrong word for it. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, uh, so you weren't wait. You weren't able to find a role for that. 
No, not at all. No. I, oh, I interviewed for a few things and it just, where here where I live in the Pacific Northwest, there's a huge, huge competition for project managers. So a lot oh, okay. of them end up getting PMPs and I kept getting told, why don't you get your PMP? Sort of What's a PMP? Like, uh, the project management professional certification. Oh, certification. Who's that yeah. through? Who does that? Uh, various companies really okay, do. Okay. Okay. And then there's, yeah, it, it just really depends. Some schools right. do it now too. And it was just something that right out of college, I really didn't want to sink more money I into just that. just finished my program. <laughs> like I just graduated. Exactly. Oh, dang. And so my, my husband suggested I take a year, just kind of explore things just for mm-hmm. myself, you know, take, remove mm-hmm. the stress of having to find a job in this field and yeah. just see what do I want to do. And that's when I started coming across Twitch as as both a content creator on Twitch, but also as a moderator on Twitch for other mm. content creators. And I started helping them kind of inadvertently at first. <laughs> I was like, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And I started welcoming people and really started getting clued into these communities quite, quite deeply, really, with some of them. And I learned that I really enjoyed, I enjoy helping people succeed. And that's still something mm. that I've, I've known about myself since I was doing resume writing, that I really right. enjoy watching people That's a succeed. good callback to that particular role in itself. Yeah. Okay. And so, well, for listeners that aren't familiar with Twitch, Twitch has a wide range of content creators on it. And I know that you were uh, ultimately got involved with the live coders and the, the folks that are live coding on Twitch, but like for the most part, I think a lot of people would associate Twitch with gaming. So how did you find the particular niche on there that was specific to programming? So that was kind of a kind of an interesting story. So very true. It's it's very well known for gaming. That's what I did on right. the platform. That's how I started getting involved with people. And then I started looking into coding. My husband is a software engineer, senior software engineer now. So oh, he suggested okay. that I could take a look, take a look into it. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then I noticed, well, let me check on Twitch. Maybe there's people doing it there because I knew they had categories like chatting and things like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. art. So I already knew people did something that wasn't gaming oriented. So Mm -hmm. I figured maybe I'd be able to find people who code. And lo and behold, I was. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. There's absolutely a community there. It just is quite small comparatively to the gaming side of things. Yes. And so had you (laughs) been interested in programming yourself at that point? Or were you in a way just watching as a community member? I think more watching. I I thought it was interesting, but from what I understood at that point about it was you make pretty websites. And that was really the (laughs) end of be all of it. Yeah. And that was really that was very, obviously that was very short sighted knowing that now. <laughs> no, so no, I no. To- I think that that is an easy explanation for some folks to understand entry point yeah. wise into it. So I yeah. think that's fair. And so I came across InstaFluff, InstaFluff TV. Can't recommend this this young lad enough. He's amazing. <laughs> but he was doing JavaScript that didn't result in websites, which I thought was interesting. Right. And so he was doing little projects. And I believe at that point, I went back to a couple of his videos because I'm pretty sure he did some little project for Christmas. I started watching him in, in February a few years ago. I know it was February because okay. <laughs> we had just <laughs> talked about that not too long ago. But I think I 
saw him I, and I liked his vibe. It's very, for people who don't know him, he's very Bob Ross for coders is how he yeah. often gets described because it's just so freaking yeah. wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started chatting with him a lot more and he's really encouraging. He shared some resources and I started nice. looking into that. And that really what started that off. I went from him to find some other people, eventually got connected with the leader of the life coders and then went into that pretty hardcore to support the life coders as much as I could. Right. You became a program manager, community manager for them. I did. Yes. And I did that for just under a year and it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of stress, but a lot of fun. And that's really where I learned how hard it is to run a team of, of huge diversity, very, very different backgrounds, all of us and how, interesting that can be and how how stressful that can really be too, especially heading into a pandemic. Right. And oh gosh, there's a lot there of like how to suddenly we had folks that were, you know, traveling for conferences and were in that developer relations space of the tech industry and wanting to connect with communities but weren't able to because of lockdowns and whatnot. And so we're turning to Twitch to do that live coding and to create demo projects or just connect with folks essentially the way that they would at a conference or an event that they would normally be traveling to for in-person experiences. And so suddenly, yeah, I just feel like a whole floodgate of folks entered into the space. So I'm sure it was a bit, I'm sure it was wild. <laughs> it really was watching that in live uh, and, and, the happening life essentially in real mm-hmm. time, just like mm-hmm. you said, the the floodgates opened where mm-hmm. almost from almost literally from one day to the next, where yeah. you know I see two hundred people streaming live coding. Cool, log off, come back the next day, and there's four hundred people. It's like, whoa, yeah. what's going on? And really starting to see not just people, but also entire companies. Yep, yep. No, absolutely. It was. It was a big shift for a lot of companies to try and develop their space and channels. Uh, and that that summarizes my 2020 year very well professionally. <laughs> that was really what my team and what I, in particular, you know, initiative I led, but was just thinking about pretty much at all times. Uh, but I wonder then, when did you start yourself like dabbling with code? And when were you like, you know what, I'm going to switch from the watching kind of community member and then community manager to learning myself? So that started around 2019, I want to say, probably early to mid-2019 when I just saw folks making these projects. And I'm a a big Jane Austen fan. I was like, how cool would it be if I could go to a website, click a button, and I get a new quote every day? And that's really what started me. I'm chuckling now at just how long it took me to get that dang site actually up. But it's up. It's still running. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's still running. It's still good to go. <laughs> Great. What is it, but deployed on Heroku or something? Uh, or it's on GitHub because it's just okay. a single oh, yeah, page. Yeah. So it was really sure. easy to do. But I'm I'm laughing at myself too because it's like, I, yeah, I did not do this the smartest way I could. Oh and eventually gosh, no. I'll be but it's it's up there and that was just doing that and sitting I I got a Udemy class that got me started okay. on it that's and what I was wondering yeah really right. yeah that Udemy for me personally is absolutely amazing I have a bunch of books which is great for references for me but I don't learn super well from books right yeah 
And uh, uh, yeah, cool. so video, video worked best for me. And so that's really what started the whole thing is I wanted that site. Once I had that site up, I was like, okay, what's next? What else can I do? But I kept getting, I think I kept getting into my own way a little bit because I had such a hard mm-hmm. time conceptualizing what else there is coding wise and how that would sure. work. So how did you push beyond that then? Continue to expose myself to people who do other things. So I, I purposely see. found Python coders on purpose to see what they were doing. I looked into people who were doing C++, C Sharp, just all of this, which I don't have any interest in. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I do really, I did really connect with Python, especially because I like to streamline everything I do. And so totally looking into Python as kind of a scripting language really does help me in that degree. I'm not very advanced in it, but I really do enjoy it and just, I think that's really what comes down to is I just, I have a whole book of projects. And then as Hmm. I learn more, I'm trying to do more projects. And then of course life gets in the way. So everything gets abandoned for a few months and then I come back to it and all of that. And yeah. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Well, so bring us to today. Can you tell me more about what you do as the community manager for Vonage? Yeah, absolutely. So I got into Vonage because of the bald bearded builder on Twitch. I was involved with his community. I was working with him, helping him organize his community and just making sure that we're all on our best behavior at all times (laughs) (laughs) and started making some connections there. And at some point, Michael, the bald bearded builder goes, hey, we have this position open. It was a DevRel position. You might Mm -hmm. be interested. So I went and applied I had my interview with the manager at a time who immediately said, you know, your coding isn't where I'd like it to be. So I don't think you'd be good at DevRel, but I'm thinking maybe community manager. So Mm -hmm. let's come back to this in five, six months and see what happens, which I completely took as, yeah, okay, understandable, but I'm not going to count on that. But no, almost exactly five months later, I got (laughs) an email saying, hey, this position is open if you want to apply. And so I did that and went interviewed with you, actually, Lauren, as part of my... (laughs) As part of my interview process and get into it. So what I do now is planning, planning events for us, planning marketing efforts for, for our entire DevRel team to make sure that our DevRels have events where they can go to that we sponsor events in fields that make sense and, and events that make sense where we can tell people about what we do and why we enjoy it so much. It's really the the simplest way of putting that. There's a lot more work behind <laughs> the mm-hmm. scenes oh that goes gosh, into yes, that. <laughs> but it's, it's, again, it really draws on me loving to help people succeed. I absolutely yes. enjoy working with DevRels to make what they do a success. Yeah, that's, it really sounds like that's the through line for your career completely. I am so impressed with what community managers need to really manage on the back end um, (laughs) for things to be like in any, any event to be a successful one. And so I am forever humbled by that role. I remember Michael saying, explicitly saying to me, like, this person is a superstar. Like, that yes, this is my referral, but I need you to know, like, she, we would be so lucky to have her. So I'm, I'm very appreciative that, yeah, our, our paths cross in that way. And, and I've since moved on from Vonage, but yeah, I, I um, am so glad that that is how we, how we connected. I'm curious if you're able to look back on 
your career trajectory essentially and see if the lessons that you learned from the automotive industry, from project management, from retail even, like do those things end up impacting your role today, Ivanage? They really do because they help me understand how how to be the best person I can be, not just professionally, mm. but also in a personal interaction with people, right? It's mm-hmm. Of course, I still have friction with people. We're all people with different backgrounds. There's always going to be somebody that you might not mesh with super well. Mm-hmm. But how to overcome that? And I've made some mistakes early in my career on that to where I was still going through somewhat of a culture shock and understanding sure. how things are oh, different. <laughs> of course, of course. And so it's, I actually just had this moment, this the past couple of weeks here where I felt super American for the first time. (laughs) And that was, that in a way really touched me as I've been a citizen. I've been a neutralized citizen since 2017, but even, even compared to that swearing in ceremony this past week was the first time I truly felt American because I've I've worked with such a wide team and a lot of them are not in America. Right. It's a global team. Yeah, exactly. It's a global team. I was like, wow, I really am American. Cool. (laughs) What was the moment? I have to know, what was it explicitly that you were like, I, you know what? (laughs) I feel that. It was a general chat about um, the work cultures. Oh, sure. Of course. Kind of the differences with that. And Mm -hmm. it's, I really always thought of myself as having a very Germanic work culture still. That's mm-hmm. what I get told by a lot of people around here. But then comparing it to to many other folks and really mm-hmm. seeing the difference and like, wow, yep, nope, I'm definitely American. I that American <laughs> perspective. That's hilarious. Okay, so let's see. If you look back on it, did you always have an interest in tech? Is it is it your husband that kind of like him being in the industry that got you excited about it? You know, as a child, were you, you know, poking around with technology? You know, what essentially kept you from entering the tech industry before you did, do you think? So when I was about 12 years old, the last grade of elementary school in Germany, we had uh-huh. a elective class that was about <laughs> creating websites. So we created like a class website and that was really purely HTML whatever we could do. And that was a lot of fun. I remember that being a lot of fun, but it's just the way I grew up and where I grew up, we we were very poor. And so that just wasn't something that was, that was up to me, right? Mm -hmm. To be quite frank, I just didn't have the choice to pursue that at that time. Then moving here and then really getting interested in factories and how factories work, I failed for myself to make that connection of how I like how things are programmed. I really didn't understand that until my husband laid that out for me. <laughs> of, wow, hey, you yeah. like how these machines work, right? Yes. Okay. Do you understand that they're programmed? No. Oh. Mm. <laughs> and just having yeah, that connection. Yeah, it takes someone else like making that connection for you and lifting the veil a bit behind it and being like, hey, do you realize that this is what's happening? It, it's It can be really helpful to have that outside perspective, I think. Absolutely. And then he's... His uh, he's he's a maker. He loves making yeah. all the things, and I he's love it. right now turning his office into a workshop, which is great in its own way. But it's he's really into robotics as well. Oh and sure, so yeah. I have a couple little tinker toys that oh, exactly fun. that little robot robot tinker toys, yeah. and now I'm starting to think what I feel is too far for my own skill, but I get there eventually. I have a plant that keeps trying to die on me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I want to get myself a little yes. uh, soil soil you, thing. Yeah. I have yeah, I get into the IoT Arduino. space. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And, I, yeah. A smart home <laughs> is like the... Um, 
my partner and I, we were talking like near distant future of like, let's really go all in on that and just like (laughs) (laughs) make a series on Twitch where we just like monitor and we work for a company that's like all about observability. So we're like, this seems like an overlap opportunity here for (laughs) sure. That's fun. Well, I should also say like explicitly too, that, you know, while you might as a community manager for a tech company, you are in tech, like you Mm -hmm. are day in, day out, have the opportunity to be learning also. And so all these things kind of overlap. And I think it's really cool to find opportunities and and roles that will allow you to do that kind of curiosity boosting and learning where you're I don't know, your drive and what you're wanting to take on next can also be kind of a part of your job too. So I think that that's a really, a really cool thing about developer relations space itself. And I don't know, it's like a nice little pocket of, of tech. It is. And it's something that I've seen a lot of tech companies and tech related companies do now where they encourage you to do that, which is absolutely yes. fantastic. The yeah. most companies now do like an education stipend to where you can get classes you're interested yep. in, books you're interested yep. in. And I took full advantage of that this year. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> what the is max. my budget? I will <laughs> exactly. be doing some professional development. Yeah, I love that. Precisely. Uh, and so it's yeah. it's great to see that. And you're absolutely right. There is, I mean, even this morning I was in a learning session about something that I still have trouble understanding, but I learned so much this morning. And it's because, you know, my coworker takes the time to meet with a few of us of, Hey, if you're interested, I'm doing a run through of this. Like, Oh God, yes, please sign me up. I want to be there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The eagerness to show up and be like, yeah, I don't understand what you're talking about, but now I am building a vernacular at least around what it is. I don't know. And I can ask better questions maybe. And I think that that is just an encouraging part to hear of your story. And I think listeners, you know, you don't necessarily need to find, you know, the coding role. You can still learn to code while in these sort of roles, other roles. I don't know. I just think there's something really cool about the way you've done it. And I think it's an important path to highlight so that we can help people maybe navigate it if they're, if they're interested in it themselves. Actually, that should, I should just ask you, do you have advice for folks that are looking to transition into tech that you can share? The number one advice that I I keep giving myself over and over is to not (laughs) underestimate yourself because it's really easy to do. And I've fallen prey to that myself multiple times where it's just like, oh, I will never be as good as this person. I'll never be (sighs) as great as that person, but I don't have to be. Right. And so that's why I I started my own little idea book. Mm, Regardless of what anyone else is doing, these are the projects I'm interested in myself. And if I succeed in making those projects, then I'm a success in my book. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, I really want to stress that to people. Don't underestimate yourself. Go at your own speed. It's I'm I'm in my mid-30s now. And a lot of people would probably, especially if they're younger than me, they tend to think that I'm pretty old to get into the space. I don't think oh, so. I think girl. I'm right on time. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, you are. You are uniquely you, right? Yeah, and so exactly. your journey is going to be yours and it's going to look different than everyone's. And I'm not here for the comparison game. I exactly. It's why I struggle with Twitter. I find sometimes, and I've said this on the show before, but you know, there's a bit of a toxic narrative sometimes of like, I decided to learn to code last month and now I landed my first job. And that can feel really just like, 
Yes. Awful for folks that are in that space where they're learning and and interviewing and trying to find their first role and trying to break into it. And so, you know, however long it's taking you to, to discover your interest in the space and to, to find a role or to whatever it is, like it is your own journey and it is no one else's. And I appreciate you explicitly saying that for listeners. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And it's, I, I agree with that. I see that. And that, that can be really discouraging if that's what you, if that's what you always see. So I, I have yeah. to take steps back. I oftentimes do it on purpose where I check out yep. all social media. It's like, I you know that. what? I'm just going to do me for a bit. <laughs> I just got to recenter myself, be like, I'm right on schedule. I'm good. I'm in a loving right. relationship. I have a good <laughs> home. It's like, okay, this is, this is what Hold I care on. about. Those are the things that matter. Yeah. Reset. Yeah. yeah. And ultimately like, you know, I do see the value in social media because it can help you build your network. And while you are searching for a role, of course, as we mentioned, it's good to have a good resume, but like getting the referral, you know, you being connected to bald bearded builder helped, you know, that particular part of the process of bondage. And so all the things are connected. Um, So I, uh, there's a balance and I haven't figured it out perfectly by any means, but um yeah, I think it's good to to have a healthy relationship or strive to have one. <laughs> That's super fair. All right, let's jump into some rapid fire questions to wrap, wrap us up today. Um, sure. Do you have a favorite app on your phone? Strava. It keeps me honest. It's for me just tracking my walks. Yeah. I, I love to go on walks. I needed, I learned that about myself last year. I need it for my mental health. Yes. So I try to go yeah. on two to three walks a day. So Strava. Oh. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I love my Strava app. Let's see. What you said your favorite tech is Python. Yes? Yes. Yes. And what about Python was particularly, I don't know, what pulled you in over everything? I understood else? it. That was oh, the main sure. thing. Yeah. Never <laughs> underestimate the power of that feeling of like, oh, I like how re- I, I feel as though I can read this. Okay. I love that yes. answer, actually. <laughs> very <laughs> much. I, I kept banging my head against the desk, literally at times with oh JavaScript. God, it's like, I don't yeah. get it. I do not understand okay. this. So I switched switch sides to, to Python. I switch sides. That sounds so mean. But switched no, no, no. approaches to Python. In a way, it is like different camps. Exactly. And I kind of found myself that even if I didn't know exactly what a a piece of code did, I could read it. Yeah, there's some intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. And um, a lot of boot camps are switching to Python also for that exact reason. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is super fair. And I, I love it as well also for that exact reason. What would you say your style of learning is? It's a combination. I like mm-hmm. to learn with video, learn, oh, yeah, yeah, then yeah. learn as I do. So I like to see, then do, and then read. Yep. Love, love it. So it's a three-pronged approach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could go back in time and tell yourself some bit of wisdom, when would you pick and what would you say? I would pick, oh, probably, I want to say 2013, 2014. Okay. Right around there. It's like stop dragging your feet and just do it. When I was trying to commit to something college-wise and just, what do I want to do? And just, because I was always afraid to make the wrong choice. But the nice thing is you really, you're not stuck in a career. You're really not. And so just kind of taking that approach of, you know, just commit to whatever you think is interesting. And if it doesn't work out, just switch it. But (laughs) I actually love that. I really, really appreciate that because there is a fear of, well, this might not be it. And so what? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> exactly. <okay. laughs> 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm very much like that. And I think that came with age, honestly. That came with the, I'm this age now, and now I just, now I just want to do what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Life is too short. Like that, yeah, yeah, let's enjoy it and let's have fun with what we're doing. Okay, I usually ask, what are you learning next or what are you excited to learn next? But I actually, for you, I want to know what in that idea book are you most excited to tackle next? The flowers. I, I'm sick oh, yeah, of the yeah, flower yeah. Okay. trying to die on it. flower. Okay, cool. So you will, so you bought an Arduino, you said. Yep, I bought an Arduino kid. I'm going to okay, get a little cool. soil thingy-majigga yep. set yep. up and then I'm probably going to get two more of the same plant type because I, I live in an old farmhouse and it, it doesn't have the oh, best cool. airflow and all of that. So pretty much every room has a vastly different biome, it feels. Oh gosh, I love it. That's and hilarious. So, so I'm going to check it in three different locations. And so I want to do the same plan, probably do the same offshoot. So brand new baby plants for all three of them, set them yes. up, monitor them for about a month and then really get into, okay, what do I need to do? <laughs> It's going to be so fun. What a great experiment. That is, I love it. I can't wait to watch that happen. Um, it's, it's a stubbornness with me at this point. It's it's my stubbornness versus the plant's insistence on not, on not being great. I know it hilarious. needs something. I can't figure out what it is. So science. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. This is when like, yeah, a project can come in and tech can help us answer those questions. Exactly. I, love, I, I really love it. I cannot wait. Please like I would love to read many blog posts on that. I, I want to once I <laughs> okay. get started on it. Absolutely. Because that's actually something I learned at my current job is I've written two small non-technical articles. But I, I really enjoyed <laughs> I really enjoyed the process of it, which I didn't yes. think I would because I've been and talking with some other people who have English as a second language, that seems to be mm-hmm. a common deterrent to do something in writing, writing especially yeah, yeah, yeah. more the professional level writing. I've done documentation plenty of times and I'm comfortable sure. with that, but something that goes out to people, I'm still mm. really, really nervous about. So I just did this, heck, just let me try it. Let's see. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed the process. And yeah, there's mistakes I make. I'm you know, I'm not perfect, obviously. Hey, we and have so. Grammarly for that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a blasted Grammarly with all its lines. No, 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 but I think that is really good for you. That is it's very impressive to be vulnerable like that. To be like, you know, this terrifies me and I'm still going to try. I think that is really encouraging to hear that. I don't know. I, I, I hope that listeners feel like empowered to maybe they want to write a blog post now also. I try to be honest about that. It's because I, I, I think it's because I don't see it enough online. I try to be mm-hmm. vulnerable and I try to be yep. honest about, hey, I'm super freaking nervous about this. Yes. But let's try it. Yeah. Yes. Because I think it helps just kind of how over the last year, I feel the world collectively has understood what self-care is and why it's important and, and stigmas of mental health and all of that, that I'm also a big advocate for. Not the stigma, obviously, the, the removing the stigma of, of mental health. And Definitely. it goes in the same vein with, we are not perfect. Can we just admit that, please? As a, <laughs> as a sure. whole, it's okay to make mistakes. So just Let's try oh my gosh, not to make how the same thing over and over. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, and that's what I love about Twitch itself is I mm-hmm. like to learn in public because while it's terrifying to make 
a million mistakes in front of a live audience. It also helps everyone realize that we make mistakes all the time. And it's how we realize like best paths to learning and a collective experience where we're like, oh yeah, that's the best way to tackle that problem. Or that's an interesting solution that I maybe wouldn't have thought of. Or I, I, I think there's something really cool about being radically vulnerable with, with a community and being like, yeah, I don't know how to do this right now, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And while I I myself wouldn't code on Twitch just because I know I wouldn't get anything actually done, mm-hmm. I can appreciate yeah, the people who do. Yeah, it's a, it's a journey in itself. <laughs> um, okay, well, from one uh, Jane Austen enthusiast to another, what is a good book you've read recently? Ooh, Northanger Abbey, over and over. <laughs> oh, a classic. Oh, love it, love it. Okay. Um, well, that was my last question. Caroline, make your shout out. What would you like listeners to go check out? I would love for listeners to go check out the software and development section on Twitch. Yes. If you go to browse, you can type it in. Uh, right now, it's the advent of code, really popular. A lot of people are doing it. So you can see, mm-hmm. you can literally see, you know, 50, 60 people attempting to solve the same problem in all of their own ways, which is fascinating yep. to me. Yeah, there's just I love it. no right one answer. And that I remember feeling floored by when I entered into yes. the coding space. And like, <laughs> wait, so my idea is equally as valid as my classmates' idea that feels super different and approach-wise. And like, yeah, I mean... You both get the correct, like it both works. Right. And I just being floored, but I think math in high school and college was like, there's one proper way to solve this answer. Mm -hmm. And that was what threw me in the world of programming. I don't know. I love, I, that was really genuinely one of my favorite parts when I was first learning. It's fascinating. I love it. And I, I really enjoy on Twitch too, while people are checking that out, pay attention to how people approach and solve mm-hmm. problems because Absolutely. that in and of itself is so fascinating to me. Yeah. Of I'm very much, I'm just going to keep doing it over and over and over, trying to get it to work. <laughs> but there's people that will take a step back. They'll map it out. And, yep. you know, maybe I've seen people use paint, like the paint program, just to try <laughs> try to sketch out real quick over how things yeah. need to work the together. Visual. And it's yeah. so fun to see people work out problems. I love that. Yes, good, good recommendation for sure. Okay, and Caroline, where can people find you online? So the best way to find me is probably on Twitter right now. It's mm-hmm. under Grumpy Snick. So S N E K. <laughs> Don't ask about that username. I was very grumpy when I made it. Not kidding. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, <laughs> um, but it stuck with you. I love it. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I will be sure to include links to that, but then also everything else that you referenced in the show notes today for listeners to check out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I so, so appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. And people can feel free to reach out to me if they have questions about Mm. resume writing. I'm more than happy to help. If they want to rant about bad recruiters, lay it on me. (laughs) Yeah, bring it. Oh my gosh, it's so kind of you to offer yourself as a resource. Thank you. Yeah, that is very, very kind. And I, yeah, that is an area that is very intimidating for a lot, for me personally. And I imagine a lot of folks also, but um, wow. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you again for sharing your advice, your journey, uh, and your wisdom with the listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I'm Lauren Lee. Thank you for listening to We Belong Here. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, 
Find me on Twitter at Lolo Coding. That's L-O-L-O-C-O-D-I-N-G. Shoot me an email or leave a comment on the We Belong Here website. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe and review the show on your podcast player of choice. And be sure to check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.